Well, we're in Isaiah chapter 51. We're, we're um, taking a rest from our series on the precious blood. Where we'll be coming back to it. Um, but it's good sometimes just for us to venture into other things as well. And that's an ongoing series. But this particular message this morning, uh, I really believe is important for us to look at. Because... Um, there's a lot in it. There's a lot in Isaiah 51. It's, it's one of the chapters that I preach on a lot. And there's a lot in it, I think, that speaks to us at this time. Um, and we probably won't get into it all today. But let's just start from verse 1, which says, Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. So that would be us. That would be the people of God. This is a message to God's people, but it's also a message for those who are hungry for God. And we just prayed, didn't we? We prayed for people with hungry, hunger, sorry. Because I believe there are hungry people out there. Jesus said to his disciples, uh, you say there's four months to the harvest. In other words, you're saying it'll happen one day, Lord. We know one day, one day revival will come. But right now, nobody's interested in our message, Lord. And the Lord says, no, he says, the harvest is ripe, it's white, it's ready. People are hungry. He said that because he knew that what people are filling their lives with and the hole in their hearts with was really just a longing for him. You know, people fill it with, with drugs, with alcohol, with um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, pornography and, and all different things. But a lot of people are just trying to fill up that hole in their heart, aren't they? And so we, we need to give them the thing that will satisfy their thirst, that will satisfy their hunger. And that thing is this book and God himself and all of that. So he says, hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness and seek the Lord. And then he says to us something that, and, and you know, even as a Christian, sometimes people miss it because they're looking for something. And they're saying, well, what is it God wants me to know? What is it that God wants me to follow after? Okay? It's so important for us as God's people to know what God wants us to plug into. Because there's so much in this book. And people trying to plug into the Bible uh, by filling their heads full of knowledge. It's really just filling their heads full of data. So you get somebody who can tell you every flower in the Bible or every plant and every animal in the Bible because all they're doing is filling their head with, with, with knowledge. But that knowing stuff about the Bible is not knowing the Bible and it's not knowing God. So a lot of people that you speak to, it's very sad, uh, you know, that they're just they're full of what, what we'd call head knowledge when it comes to these things. They don't know God intimately, don't have a relationship with him and you know, I teach in Bible college um, every week, and we're always saying that to the students, and I don't like it, and I, and I know the other lectures don't like it. If you sense that some people are there to get their diploma or their degree, it irks you because they ought not be there for that. Okay, that's the byproduct. And it's great that they get it, and everybody enjoys graduation day and getting to wear the funny hats and the gowns, but folks, it's not about that. It's about knowing God deeper. Okay? So he says, if you want to know him, uh, and you're, you're hungry for him, you seek him. Here's what he says. Look unto the rock 
from which you were hewn or, or, or carved or uh, engraved from or, or dug out of. And to the hole of the pit when she are digged or dug. He's saying, look at where you came from. Look at your origins. Okay? Now, you know, one of the features here about being in uh, this church is in the age of the church. And so some of the folks that have been here for many, many years, so there's a history. Okay? And so when you go back into the history of this church, as the pastor now... I hear about previous pastors and previous characters and people, and you're always hearing about somebody from your know, far-flung lands um, sending a letter or, or sometimes sending money, uh, because although they live abroad now, they grew up in the Foundry Boys. So there's so you know obviously people are sitting you know thousands of miles away sitting. I remember when I was a, a wean and you know and going to the Foundry Boys and we did this and we did that. And, and that's normal for churches of this age and, 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 and with that history and tradition. And we can all have that in our lives. You know, I've saved now many decades, although you wouldn't know what to look at me. You'd think, oh, you're way too young. Um, but everybody, we all have history, don't we? And we all have a, 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 what they call these days, the trendy term is a backstory. Okay. Uh, so, or our origins, where did you come from? And as a Christian, you know, what church did you go to when you were first saved? All of that. But God is telling us here, he says, go back. Find out where you came from. Find out the rock that you were carved out of. Find out the hole that you were dug out of. And where does he tell us to go? He says, he doesn't say, well, just, you know, find it for yourself. He says this. Look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bore you. So what God is telling us is if you're fallen after righteousness, you're seeking the Lord, in other words, you want to be a Christian that's pleasing to him and effective for him, he says you need to become acquainted with Abraham and Sarah. That's your origin. Because the Bible calls uh, Abraham the father of faith. To, To us who believe, he's our father in the faith and father of the faith. And you say, well, that's in the Old Testament. Well, yeah, it is. Because, you know, we're not just New Testament Christians. We're uh, whole Bible Christians, aren't we? And the origin, now I know we go back to Adam and all that and, and so on, but he tells us go to Abraham because Abraham is the man that God made covenant with. We're going to look at that. And he says, For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Or I blessed him and made him many. Or what it actually means is I multiplied him. And if you remember the story of Abraham, Abraham was, and Sarah, they didn't have any children. And and that grieved Abraham because he wanted an heir, he wanted a son, he wanted a baby boy to bounce on his knee. And he didn't have one. Sarah couldn't give him one because she was barren. Okay, which meant she couldn't have a baby. And they tried all sorts of stuff, as we know. We know the story of Hagar. You know, you, you know Sarah says, you can sleep with my handmaiden. And then they had that Ishmael. But that was not a baby 
between Abraham and Sarah. Okay? And then things just got too far gone because Abraham was really too old. He was an old man and Sarah was way past the menopause. Way past. So she couldn't... She, she was past childbearing age. And God said, you two are going to have a baby. And, you know, Sarah laughed. Are <laughs> you right? She said. And folks, this woman was barren all her life. And to top it off, she, she'd gone through the menopause. But they had Isaac, as we know. Who was a medical baby. Let's not beat about the bush. She was a medical baby. But you see, that wasn't enough for God because... Abraham was delighted, he was satisfied, but God said to Abraham, he says, no, no, I'm going to multiply you. And on one occasion he took him out and he said, can you see, look at the stars, can you count them? So he maybe started, oh, give up. And then he says, can you count the grains of sand underneath your feet? No. So shall your seed be, God said to Abraham. In other words, you, you just wanted a wee baby boy, but I'm going to give you See, God is a God of multiplication. And that's why when I pray for the collection and pray that the seeds that you sow be multiplied back to you, because God will always multiply back to you what you sow to him. Amen? He's a God of multiplication. And he said, Isaac's not enough. He may be enough for you, Abraham, but he's not enough for my purpose. And whatever you want to do for God or want to give God or, or, or whatever, it's he will multiply back to you. Okay? In other words, he'll, he'll multiply you over and over and over. So he said to Abraham, well, you're just one guy. We'll start with you. Then we're going to have a wee baby boy. But then we're going to have untold seed, untold millions of seed. And part of that fulfillment, friends, is today in the church where we've, we've had millions and millions of Christians over the ages and millions of Christians on the earth today. That's part of it. That, that's just spiritual seed, but there's also the natural seed. But folks, he says he's going to, he called him alone and blessed him and multiplied him. Now that little word alone in Hebrew has a funny, it's a, it's a peculiar word because what it means is, although it, it means he's alone and he's on his own, it means in the Hebrew, remember reading this a long time ago, that within him are all the other seeds of all the people, if that makes sense. In fact, the Bible speaks about how uh, later on in Hebrews that, that when God, that when Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek, the, the seed of Levi was in him paying that tithe. So Abraham was called, uh, you know, alone, but that word means that all the seed that would ever be of Abraham was already in him. Okay? Uh, that's what it means. So what he's saying is, Abraham was a man of potential. He had all that potential in him. And Abraham's dreams were too small for God. Now it's a wonderful dream to have a, a baby boy, Isaac. And Abraham was so delighted, but God said, now you're going to have millions of descendants. Untold, uncountable descendants. What a wonderful promise. So, f so what he's saying to us today is, look to Abraham. 
to you and I, you say, look to Abraham, look to Sarah, because what seemed impossible in the natural, okay, now it's bad enough if, if Sarah, were, and, and I've known this, I've known women, in fact, relatives of mine, who were told you'll never have a baby. I've got an aunt who, I think she had six miscarriages. And they said to her, you'll never have a baby. But, but that aunt, her mind's a Christian and believe God. And she's now got two big ugly sons. I hope, I hope they're listening to this because I'm just kidding them on. But she's got two big strapping boys now. Okay? So, and I had a cousin, had a cousin who was told, you'll never have children. Not a chance. She's got two daughters. So folks, and she's a Christian. In fact, she was, at one stage, she was living with faith in full-time ministry. But here's the thing about it all. It's not just about having children. It's about God is the God of the impossible. And God is the God of multiplication. So God can multiply what you have for his purpose and for his glory. You might think, well, you know, um, let's just say somebody says, oh, well, you know, I look at all these people that get loads of folks saved. Yeah? Um, but but I, I don't, you know, I don't get a lot of people saved. But you might get one person saved that's the next Billy Graham. And, and, and he gets millions saved. Or she gets millions saved. So what God does through us, what he did through Abraham and Sarah, he started off with an impossible situation and brought about from it what we see around us today because, you know, if Isaac hadn't been born, then Jesus wouldn't have been born. Amen? Jesus was of the seed of Abraham. So, what God can do through an impossible situation, and that's why he says to us, look to Abraham. Because if you're sitting today saying, you know, my, my situation, pastor doesn't know it, the folks around me don't know it, but I'm, I'm facing something they don't know anything about. And it's, it's horrible. But folks, God can defeat your, the, that situation. He can overcome that situation. You can overcome it, should I say, through his strength, through his power, through his promise. Because God promised Abraham, didn't he? He said, so shall your seed be. So, Let's just um, press on uh, Genesis chapter 12 for a minute because I want to show you something here. Abraham was a man of promise. He was a man of covenant and a man of promise. And he had God's promise functioning in his life. And that's why the Lord wants us to look to Abraham, look to Sarah and say, if you can see what I did for them, then I can do similar for you. And it's not just about having loads of babies, okay? Um, but it is about multiplication. He is a God who multiplies. Genesis chapter 12, we'll just read it from verse 1, says, The Lord had said to Abram, um, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, Abraham had to do something to step into what God had for him. And sometimes you and I might need to do that as well. Sometimes it's an uncomfortable step because Abraham had, we think, a, a very comfortable life. His father was apparently quite wealthy 
And in those days, wealth was based on what you inherited. I know it's similar to that in some places and some people today. Not everybody inherits money. Not everybody inherits a lot of money. But Abraham... So the system, the economic system was that Abram was set for life because when his father died, he would inherit. And God says to him, no, that's not my plan. Get away from your family. Leave that system behind and I will bless you. I will look after you. Come to a land that I will show you. And then he said this, I will make you a great nation. Now, here's the thing, is that you can't be a great nation unless you have descendants. So there's the promise right there to Abraham. And, and you know, the Lord actually started off Without talking about you'll have a baby, he says, no, no, I'm, I'm going to make you a great nation. A great nation you can't have with just one or two descendants. Or you and your boy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He can't have a great nation if it's just you and your boy. So he'd already promised Abram. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Now, in modern language, you would say, I'm going to make you rich and famous. Bless in scripture does not mean a pat on the head. It doesn't mean going into a Christian bookshop and buying a nice wee Helen sign a rice card and sending it to somebody just to bless you. You know, thinking of you with flowers on it. That's not what bless means. To bless in scripture means to empower, to prosper, primarily, materially or financially. So he says, I'm going to make you rich, in other words. And I'm going to make you famous. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. He didn't say to Abram, it's all for you. You'll enjoy it all. You will be Billy Big Shot. No, he says you'll be a blessing. In other words, the blessing that I bless you with is intended for others. And it's the same for you and I. That's why he says look to Abram. Because we can get quite selfish. If God blesses us, you know, and we can have those us prayers for us four and no more. Bless my family, Lord. The rest, who cares? Let somebody else pray for him. No, that's not the heart. He says, you'll be a blessing. So it's not just for you, but it's through you. Amen? It's not just to you, it's through you. You'll be a blessing because I'm going to bless you so much, it will over, overflow and spill on the others. Um, remember the old Sunday school uh, running over, running over my cup's full and running over Amen. well that's what he's saying to Abraham, hold out your cup I'm going to fill it but there's going to be a lot of overspill your cup's going to be full it's going to run over and others will be blessed because you are, you are my blessed man if you're blessed of the Lord others should partake of that blessing Amen. that's just the way God is and that's just the way you and I need to be. So he says, I'll uh, bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And what he's really saying to Abraham is, this blessing is going to get so big, everybody's going to get blessed with it. And that is still in the earth today. That's why Christians go out with the gospel. That's why you and I are charged with sharing with others. Because where we've been blessed, others should be blessed too. Amen? 
But he, but he says, I'll bless those who bless you. Or in other words, I will bless those who are in association with you. And we saw that with Lot, didn't we? Lot was Abraham's nephew. And we don't read that Lot had a covenant with God. We don't read that Lot was all that bright. He, he married a wife who turned into a pillar of salt. Amen, because she looked back. Amen, so <laughs> there's a lesson there. Don't look back or you'll turn into a pillar of salt. But Lot, I don't think he was the brightest tool in the toolbox, sharpest tool in the toolbox. But he had one thing going for him. He knew that he'd be blessed if he hung about the man of God who was blessed. Amen. So he had enough smarts to know, listen, my uncle Abraham is blessed of God. If I just hang about him, I'll be okay. Amen. And that's, well, you can't, you can't knock him for that. Well, praise God. So this is the blessing of Abraham. This is what the Bible is speaking about. It's not all of it. It goes on, it develops as we read through in Genesis um, that uh, Abraham will be further blessed. In fact, let's just look at Genesis 15 for a quick moment. And and we'll read into this a wee bit. And he says, uh, verse 1, after these things, this is a wee bit later on. And and I should say this, that when God said that to Abraham back in Genesis 12, I'll bless you. A few verses later in Genesis 13, Abraham goes on a short trip to Egypt and he comes back and he says, the Bible says he was very rich in silver and gold and livestock. So just God's promise was enough to make Abram rich. God fulfilled his promise. And there's another lesson for us when the Bible says, look to Abraham, is that what God promises you will manifest in your life if you believe him. The Bible keeps telling us, Abraham, believe God. Do we believe God? If we believe God, then we will walk in the the blessing. So here it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward, or your exceeding great reward. Now, what does that really mean? I know, I don't know what it means just reading it like that. Does that make sense? Because it doesn't really mean anything. Exceedingly great reward can mean anything until you go to the Hebrew. When you start going to the Hebrew, you see what it really means. And I don't know that the translators had the courage to translate it exactly from the Hebrew. So they just put exceedingly great reward, which they're probably saying, that sounds okay. He's our exceedingly great reward. They'll go, oh yes, he's our exceedingly great reward. But what does it mean? But in the Hebrew, it's, it's exactly tells us what it means. Here's how it reads in the Hebrew. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your rapidly increasing, superabounding money supply. That's how it reads in the Hebrew. God's saying to Abraham, you don't need to covet. You don't need to go and get rich quick schemes. You don't need to panic. You don't need to serve man because I will be your money supply. And I, I taught this at Bible college one night. There's a young Romanian lad there and he said to me, he said, in our Romanian Bible, it says there, I'm your shield and your wages. And that's exactly what it says in the Hebrew. Your money supply, your salary, your wages. So folks, God bless Abraham with Financial blessing. It's part of his blessing. So God's saying to us, 
today, look to Abraham because Abraham was blessed of God. And the Bible says in a couple of places that Abraham was blessed in every area of life. If you want to be blessed, folks, God says, look to Abraham, follow his example. And what did Abraham do that was so wonderful? He just believed God. God is only looking today for faith from us. It's not, oh, well, I need to read 25 chapters a day. I need to pray for an hour a day. I need to be, I need to be super holy. I need to go to church, um, you know, every week. And then, you know, go to other churches. It's not about what you do. It's not religious works. It's faith. Just believe God that God has a heart to bless you. God is in the business of blessing you. Amen. You have to believe that. God's business is to bless you. That's all he cares about and thinks about. How can I bless them? You have to believe in a God like that. Okay, not a God that's looking to, to smite you because, you know, you're picking your nose or whatever. Do you understand? God will not be pleased with me because I didn't read 10 chapters yesterday. That's religion. We're not about the business of religion. We're about the business of faith. And believe in God that God wants to bless us. I put it this way to folks. God, the Bible tells us, does not sleep. But I believe if he did sleep, when he woke up in the morning, the first thought in his mind would be, how can I bless Peter? How can I bless Nancy? That's, of course, after he says, how can I bless Bill? <coughs> that's, that's the first thought. But the, the first thought after. No, but his first thought would be, how can I bless them? My children. You know, good dads, good granddads, that's what they think about all the time, isn't it? How can I bless my kids, my children, my grandchildren? So there's, you know, when God says to us, look to Abraham and Sarah, what he's really saying is, if, if you'll understand what we're looking at here, we're, we're not just seeing what Abraham did and what happened in his life in the covenant, we're seeing the heart of God when we look at the covenant God made with Abraham. And that's what, why he tells us, he says, look, 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 look to Abraham, look to Sarah, and you'll start to see what you should be seeing all along, which is the heart of God. God's true nature, if you like, or character or attributes or personality. And so we see that when we look at Abraham and Sarah. So God is in the business of blessing us, folks. And as we read the story of Abraham, even into Isaac and Jacob, we see that covenant that God's saying, look, look to that, look to, look to see that. And then very quickly, and we'll sort of close here, we might come back to this next week. Um, but let's just go flip over to Galatians chapter 3 and just see really what, what God says to us. We've looked at these things before, but it's good to revisit them. It says here, very, very briefly, We'll look at this. It says in verse Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, Jesus died, yes, for our sins to be forgiven, cleansed, and healing, and so on. But look at the other reason that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the nations in Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So one of the reasons Jesus died on the cross, the cruel tree of Calvary, was that these blessings that God promised Abraham, 
would come upon you and I. Okay, isn't that wonderful? And what it really means is he took away all the obstacles, all the hindrances to that working in our lives. So we should be a blessed people. And every single morning, folks, and every night before you go to bed, and many times of the day, you should look in the mirror and say, I am a blessed man, I'm a blessed woman. Amen. And that's true. So do it. Make that a practice in the coming week. And keep saying, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with faithful Abraham. And notice how it changes your situation, your circumstances. Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll leave it there for now. We may come back to this. It's such a blessed and wonderful topic.